Hello, Athlete Mindset community. This is Lisa Bontasumi, the host of Athlete Mindset. Before we dive into this episode, I want to invite you to support the mission and purpose of our show. For $10 a month, you can help to make sure these conversations get to as many athletes, teams, coaches, and sport mental health environments as possible. As a subscriber, you will receive exclusive content and updates on current topics in athlete mental health, and you'll be directly contributing to the betterment of mental health for all athletes. Join the cause. Subscribe at sportse.io slash athlete and make a difference today. Again, that's sportse.io slash athlete. With your support and amplification, we can ensure more voices are heard and more individuals and communities are positively impacted. I'm super excited to have Bianca McCall today with us on the Athlete Mindset Podcast. We're going to have so much fun talking, conversating, and just spending some time together here. So Bianca, thanks for taking the time to be with me today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this chat all day. (laughs) Yay, as have I. So I'm going to tell the people a little bit about you and then we'll jump right in. Okay. Sounds good. Bianca is a retired professional women's basketball player, a TEDx speaker, and a renowned mental health expert, developer of the Well Excel health courses and training delivered to K-12 schools, colleges, universities, and sports clubs across the United States. Bianca is a licensed clinical therapist, a seasoned founder and CEO in healthcare, and creator of the newest social-emotional platform, Reach In Now. I do have to say, and she's dope, and she's my friend, and an all-around just cool people. So I have to add that. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you got to let them know. Got to the let them know. For sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> One thing, too, we have to say, you were raised in Oakland. I live here on the Alameda, Oakland area. So we have that connection. We met at TEDx Wilmington, not this past year, but the year before, and that's how we got connected. So I'm just excited for the ways we've stayed connected over that time and doing this conversation together. So I'm going to start with this. Tell me about your pro basketball career. Ooh, it's been some years, Lisa. It's been some yeah. years. That's yes, okay. Um, but to be honest with you, I love when people ask me about playing basketball because you know from being an elite athlete that in our minds, right, like our minds never let go of that that whole Mm -hmm. spirit, mind, you know, Mm -hmm. it's our bodies that age out and transition from our careers. But you ask me right now to meet you on the court and play some ball, I'm going to be like, I'll be right there. I got to shoot (laughs) trunk, right? What my body does (laughs) is going to be something a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. I can totally relate. Yes, yes. Yeah. And for me, so playing professionally, I played in Venice, Italia. Uh, My career, uh, this is in 2004. Mm-hmm. And professional women's basketball in the States was in a much different place than it is today. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we've got some support and some buzz and some excitement surrounding professional women's basketball uh, with the WNBA. Mm-hmm. But in 2004, it was really just kind of getting started. You know, mm-hmm. we had some excellence, you know, on the court, you know, the originals, Coop and, and like the whole Houston squad. You know, I used to love like Tina Turner and then, or uh, Tina Thompson, excuse me. And, yeah. Uh, and all of them uh, dominating on the court. 
But just the buzz around it, the support around professional women's basketball uh, wasn't what it is today. And I kind of like to to just touch on that a little bit, just women's sports in general. You know, we need the love. We need the support. We need the sponsorships. You know, we need our male counterparts in the professional sports space to lift us up, right? Because you've got some excellent performers in sports that are out there dedicating their lives, sacrificing their bodies to perform and to, and to inspire uh, next generation. So I'm happy to say that, you know, the experiences of playing overseas definitely shaped who I am today mm-hmm. and what I do. And those experiences on the court, you know, inspired me to, to be a champion off the court as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to kind of, you know, share how that is, you know, what that connection is and how that translates to who I am, you know, as a woman, well after retirement. <laughs> right? Yes, of course. Playing pro ball. <laughs> no, I love that you're a champion off the court as well. Well, what, I mean, considering that women's pro ball back in the day wasn't as accessible, possible, like what led you there? And to go out of the country, that was kind of a newish thing, if I'm not mistaken, back then. It was a big leap for a lot of young ladies to like, leave the country to play the game they love. So what was that like? That was the only option, you know, because WNBA wasn't really established. That can be intimidating though, Bianca. I mean, like to leave the country. I mean, had you ever been out of the country before? I did. I actually got to play in kind of like a showcase tournament in Italy prior to to going out there and playing for a season. Okay. Um, Okay. Our college team at Washington State, go Cougs. Let's Um, go. Let's go. We were able to to go out and, and play and showcase. So I had that okay. experience. And then, you know, being an athlete, especially like when you're playing D1, you know, you're traveling so much. And then, you know, before D1, it was AAU ball. True, true. I think it's that travel bug in you, right? Which to me, AAU particularly played such a significant role in just not only my life as a basketball player, but just my life as a young woman, right? I have siblings. I got two younger brothers that also played ball. One of them was active in AAU as well. But for me, being able to travel with the AAU team and see this beautiful country, you know, that yeah, yeah, different states, interact with people from from different walks of life, different cultural backgrounds. You know, coming from the Bay, that we thrive on that, right? Like yeah, that true. Diversity. But being able to just really see that this world is bigger than my hometown, it's bigger than the Bay. Hmm. There's not much that, you know, when you grow up in the Bay, it's not much that's bigger than the Bay, right? But <laughs> let's be clear, but let's be clear, but <laughs> but the experience of being able to see so many different places. So it wasn't as intimidating for me to travel mm. overseas because I had already had that bug kind of like embedded, you know, and ingrained. I was always looking to elevate my game, elevate and increase the the size of the stage, right? So it was something for me. You know, when you grow up and, and you have aspirations to play, you know, I, I grew up an All-American. You know, I wanted to play in the McDonald's game. You know, that was my mm-hmm. aspirations. And and then, you know, after that, it's you want to play for USA, you know, like you, yeah. <laughs> you just set the, the bar, you know, you keep raising the bar. So for me, it was just natural progression. Like, this is how I can get to a larger stage. And I, I went for it and I went for it. And, you know, you know, my story, injury, you know, it's the body uh, that, like yeah. I said, with your mind and with your spirit, you know, what you believe that you are capable of, the physical nature of the game, 
is usually what kind of throws you, you know, like it's a little bit different than what you believe in your mind and in your heart and your spirit, what you can accomplish. Right, right. No, all of that's super, super important to note. I mean, I think traveling as a young player in AAU and like me in club soccer, like I get that whole travel bug and like, ooh, there's a world outside of here and this is cool. And ooh, look at these people. and look, I can connect with them. They don't look like me, but they're still like, you know, we speak the same language as our sport, which is cool. And then seeing them in towns and like back in the day, I don't know if this was it, we would, when we traveled, we would actually stay with a host family on the host club. Whoever's hosting that tournament We'd stay with their team instead of going in hotels. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that, I mean, days are different now, obviously. But I was telling my daughter about that because she travels with softball. And I'm like, dang, back in the day, I'd wake up with like pancakes on the table. And we'd all be like, we would go to each other's games and cheer each other's on and like make friends. And then when we hosted, we Mm -hmm. would like have the same players kind of like deep in the relationship and like, you know, just cheer each other on and like look forward to the next tournament to see each other. But we would live towns and towns away from each other, sometimes states. But I remember that really, really poignantly. And I think it was a really good experience. But you said it helped, the travel helped you grow as a young lady. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, again, just perception. Perception is everything. And perception Mm. is definitely a significant factor in sports, like when you're competing, Mm. right? How you perceive different situations, how you perceive yourself in your own Mm. performance how you perceive yourself fitting into a system, whether that be an athletic system, mm-hmm. but even, you know, as you, like when you compete in, in college, it's the college organization, the culture, everything, right? Right. So for me, traveling, it's kind of like a rubber band, right? Like the more you stretch a rubber band, the mm. more experiences in life, you know, I'll kind of mm. relate to that, the more elasticity that you have and the more flexibility that you have. And so for me, traveling Like you mentioned, meeting new people, seeing Mm -hmm. people, you know, from different cultures, different walks of life. And your experience sounds amazing, you know, being (laughs) able to have that kind of intimate experience where Mm -hmm. you're, it's like family to family. Mm -hmm. I love that and how that's married with with sports, right? Like we champion as a family, as a team. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it definitely helped me to be more flexible and adaptable with people, with circumstances, because... For me, AAU, I didn't have that experience of being hosted by a family, but I certainly didn't have the experience that these young people have now where they're staying, you know, they're, they're taking uh, care of, right? Like they're staying in nice hotels. And yeah. <laughs> uh, largely because, hey, shout out to the parents of athletes, uh, largely due to your hard work and your sacrifice and, and your, you know, making payments to make sure that your athlete has the experience. So shout for out sure. to you. But for us. It's a whole bu- line item, but in our budget. Right, <laughs> right. No, seriously, like yeah. it's a whole, a whole bill. It is. It's a whole entire bill. A yep. whole entire, it's maybe a couple bills for people, right? Like, and for me growing up, it was certainly a bill for my family, but uh, this is when AAU, you know, kind of starting to, to get its, uh, get some momentum as well. And shout out to Golden State AAU team, Doug Halcrow. Nice. Uh, nice. You know, he, he was the coach for the AAU team, but Doug, he was a frugal guy. Uh, he was a frugal guy. So the hotels that we were staying in, you know, it was it was less is more. But that's okay because we played hard. You know, I love that experience. But again, it's adaptable, right? I could make something out of out of very little, you know, or I, I could maintain the perspective on on what's really important, right? It's mm. the experience, it's the camaraderie, mm. the sisterhood on the team. It's right. the, you know, something that I will say with Doug, he always made sure that we 
or Coach Hal Crow, out of respect, he always made sure that we had some type of experience, no matter where we were, that we were traveling, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're in Lubbock, Texas, you know, at Texas Tech playing right, in, a, Texas. in a tournament. You know, we're going to appreciate the experience of community. And, you know, I remember the Golden Corral in Lubbock. I remember <laughs> flying roaches in Lubbock. You know, like I remember the actual just community and culture mm-hmm. you know, on top of the games and the competition, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, just to kind of like to your point or to your question, you know, traveling, the AAU experience was just so significant. And it's, to me, I would hate to see, Lisa, that money, you know, prevents people from being able to have that experience, right? And going back to, you know, our parents out there that are sacrificing, that are, you know, they're the line items and things like that in the budget. There's a risk right now that having this experience being marketable, right? Recruiting, you know, recruiting prospect and all those things are becoming cost prohibitive because right. if you can't afford to be on these teams, if you can't afford the gear, exactly. if you can't afford even just to create the content and to get it in the hands of the coaches, then your talent, you know, if you can't afford to be visible, then that makes it cost prohibitive, you know? For and, sure. For and sure. that's really a fear that I have right yep. now for such an important space, you know, for our young people and our young athletes. And especially yep. when we talk about athletes from marginalized communities, from yep. underserved, from underrepresented communities just straightforward black and brown families. It's a worry of mine that just how special AAU is, it's a worry of mine that it's not going to be accessible to everyone. No, I agree, Bianca. And I share that worry. Actually, I can show you, but our listeners aren't going to share. I had a note right next to what we were just talking about, pay to play. play. I had written that down before you brought it up. I was like, my girl going there already. Like I didn't even have to say anything. I'm here for it. (laughs) But I'm not surprised because we are of like mind that way that Mm -hmm. like, what is this turning into where you have to pay to play to have access to even get on the field or the court or whatever it is that you have these big bills? Like literally, I could show you my bank statement, like every few months, there's another installment. And that's not to mention hotels, travel, gas, uniforms, airline tickets, food all the things we have to do to get our player, our kid to be able to play. And I'm grateful and blessed that we can do that, like for the daughter that we have in our life. But like, there's a lot of daughters and sons who don't have access and that we will, I know you and I (laughs) will have some action items for ourselves to make sure that that isn't as big of an issue that we both feel it is right now in our shared and mutual spaces. That's important. And then everybody has private lessons. Right. Right. A private coach for this, a private coach for that. And oh, so you're not going to have access to that area of development or support because you can't afford it. Like, it's not okay. So you and I could talk for another four hours about that. Well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the discussion about like the macro economy, right? I think all of us across the lifespan, across all different types of sports, across genders and, and all of that, we're all having to deal with prioritizing you know, those line items in the budget, right? And so when you talk about the pay to play, you know, we would be remiss to not talk about what are we having to leave off of the budget, right? What are we having to leave mm. out in order to pay to play? Because if we're talking about athletes and families that can't afford to play, then we're also talking about athletes and families that can't afford other necessities, right? That supports the whole 
the whole person, the whole athlete. Uh-huh. And, and I'm going to talk specifically about our health and our wellness, right? Yes, please. Talk about, right? You know, you know me. This I know. Me. I know. Here we go. So, Again, number two on the agenda for here was this. So like, you know, you read yeah. my mind, you know, we're on the same page as always. So I love it. Bring, it. bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Go in there. Yeah. You know, if we can't afford to pay for all those things in order to, to play, think about, you know, aside from private coaching and private lessons mm-hmm. and things like that, there's also the wellness component and the health component. You and I, Lisa, we've had so many conversations already about just how significant our wellness, our health and our wellness mm-hmm. is on our performance as, mm-hmm. as athletes. And I love, love, love how professional sports organizations are jumping on board with the campaigning uh, yes. for that same messaging, you know, yes. the, the wholeness, the wellness, mental health is actively being destigmatized. But, you know, there's still a gap, you know, outside of the trends and, and the campaigns, there's still a gap in the utilization of uh-huh. health and wellness services. And there's there's a lot of reasons for those gaps. There's a lot of barriers that our families are, are continue to face. And uh, number one is the economic barrier. You know, how can we afford this particular service when, you know, all of the budget is allocated towards just getting them on the bus, getting them on the bus? Right. And then, you know, I think we also would be remiss if we didn't talk about the culture for a young person right now is different than when you and I played, you know, Uh and it's different than most adults can really wrap their minds around. And when I say the culture, I'm talking about Hooper that's like, oh, I need the I need the panda dunks. You know, I need the panda dunks bids, you know, in order to, to be able to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is real. This is real. Like, I need, yep. I need an iPhone. I need the panda dunks. I need, you know, like for Instagram, I need to, you know, flex with this, with that. And I'm not going to say that there weren't incidentals. I'm going to call them incidentals. Think uh, <laughs> of my father who may be listening to this, but uh, <laughs> the incidentals that like my father had to pay for when I was on AAU, you know, because being away for the first time, you know, I had that experience that that most people have, you know, when they go away to college. I had that in AAU where I was on mm-hmm. planes and, and going different mm-hmm. places for the mm-hmm. first time as a young person. And I was wiling a little bit, you know, like <laughs> as far as food, I was like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to get like all these Gatorades and all the, you know, all the snacks, you know, like everybody's going to come to my, my room because I got all the snacks and, and I'm going to buy these electronics and stuff. I remember I bought a portable TV and, and my dad called me. He was like, Bianca, if you don't put that credit card away. <laughs> You don't put that card away, like you're done. You're done. Okay, that's what the incidentals are. I was like, is she gonna name them? Is she gonna tell me what they are? I'm yeah, the TV. Okay. Okay, that was the worst of the purchases, <laughs> but you get me, right? You're tracking where Yes, I am tracking. The culture, you know, for our young people, in order for them to achieve that sense of belonging, achieve oh. that again, perspective of right. who they are or what they can accomplish it's costly. Like it costs money to be able to, to support mm-hmm. that. And it's, it's more and more, you know, everything's inflated right now. And so, so yeah, when we talk about pay to play, my point is, is that it's more than just, you know, uniforms and flights and that it's a whole cost. It's you're building a brand essentially is, is what mm-hmm. society has kind of told our athletes is what you have to do. The cost to build a brand or to, to build a business or to launch a business is, is insurmountable for a lot of our families, right? Yes. Uh, without that community support, especially. Yes, yes. I mean, 
we are moving into deeper discussions that I knew we would have, and it's awesome. <laughs> but like, what brought you to be so passionate about mental health, wellness, so much so that you would choose a career as a licensed mental health clinician and now bringing in reach and now, which we're going to dive into as well. But what about your experience growing up as an athlete, as a woman that you are in your family, in your hometown, all the experiences that shaped you to be who you are? What led you to choose mental health as a, as a career? Uh, gosh, I'm going to be honest, Lisa, I battled with a lot of mental health issues and challenges mm -hmm. without even knowing it. Right. Mm -hmm. I thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a normal process for me. Like, for example, before games would start, we'd be doing layup lines. And before the game, I'd always run back into the locker room and I'd upchuck. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just that was my process. Right. I just get mm -hmm. the nerves because as soon as the ball went, you know, as soon as we tipped the ball, I was cool. You know, yep. I was a game. And yep. Uh, yep. I didn't realize that I was dealing with some anxiety. Right. Yep. Some just general anxiety. And I wasn't able to kind of manage that in a mm. way. I had performance anxiety and it led to, you know, challenges with depression and things because I would beat myself up so badly mm. about my performances. And it carried mm. over to my performances in all of my roles in life, you know, as a mm. student, as an athlete, as a daughter, as a sibling, and just interpreting kind of how, you know, my environment, you know, the messages that I was receiving from my environment, you know? And so if those are also negative or if those are also dismissing or diminishing my value, you know, based on being a, a female athlete, you know, and, and which is a, a unique experience to being a male athlete, right? Mm -hmm. um, to being a, a young, young lady and a young lady of color, all of these different messages, you know, I was challenged with trying to to figure out where I fit in outside of my sport, because that's, mm -hmm. I knew I fit in on court, you know, I knew I yep. was talented there. But then when I got injured on the court, that's when kind of everything, you know, everything shattered for me because that was my identity. And if I couldn't be, if I couldn't be a superstar, you know, basketball player, then who was I? What was I? Right. I didn't have anything positive to, to hold on to. So, mm -hmm. so I dealt with, you know, some significant mental health challenges with, with injuries and, and things like that and didn't even know it. So if I didn't know it, then I, I certainly wasn't managing it. And so anything that goes on unmanaged for a period of time, it gets worse. You know, time yes. doesn't heal all wounds. It's, no. it's time and you've got to have some skill set to be able to manage that. So for me, having mental health uh, challenges, also uh, dealing with conflicts and even uh, the loss of a teammate, you know, in college, mm -hmm. I lost a teammate to suicide. You know, all of these things had such an impact on me, but I was coached so well, Lisa, that throughout my career, my coaches or, or my parents or the adults in my life, they'd always tell me, just focus on your job, Bianca. Be mm. just basketball, you know, lace up them sneakers and ball, don't worry about anything else. So that's what I did until my body literally broke down and said, you cannot ignore all the other stuff any longer. And so when I was left without, again, that separation from, from my body, I didn't have that shield. I had to focus on, on what was going on with, with my mental health. And so I remember being in Venice and, you know, coming to that decision point of, I got to hang up the jersey. What is my purpose in life? Like, right. what, am I, what am I supposed to do at this point? 
And I was called to prevent tragedies like suicide and, and to prevent the tragedies of nobody's talking about all the things, right? We're just uh-huh. talking about I want to prevent that from impacting the lives of next generations, right? And so I have a particular affinity to work with our young people because they're at such a crucial point in their lives, right? That will shape the rest of their lives. I want to help, you know, I, I've been having this conversation a lot lately, but as athletes, we're taught to disassociate, uh-huh. to separate, right? So if we feel like there's any risk of injury or harm to us, like physically, like, oh, I'm tired or, or this girl on the court is bigger than me. And we disassociate, you know, almost delusional. I think Steph Curry said it at the end of the playoffs last year. He said, you know, I'm just enough delusional to believe I can do anything. Right. <laughs> but that's the training of a champion, right? Mm-hmm. We disassociate so we can we can be just enough delusional to believe that we can still champion despite the, the barriers in, in our environment, right? But what we're not trained to do as athletes is reintegrate or reconnect as soon as the game's over, right? Mm. Instead, we're taught to have a short-term memory, you know, especially if there's a bad injury or, or bad occurrence, we, right, we lose. Instead, we're taught to separate, you know, have a short-term memory and be ready to compete, you know, the next whistle or whatnot. But nobody's teaching young people how to reconnect, right? How to be present, how to be grounded, how to interact with families and friends in between games or in off-seasons or at worst case, transition after your career. So that's what I'm extremely motivated by is, and I have a passion to do is I want to teach performers, not just in sports, but crossover to all the roles in our lives. I want to teach people that are used to performing at a high level to reintegrate, to reconnect and to be able to be able to process and move through some stuff, you know? So yeah, that's my story and in long story, less long. (laughs) But I'm I'm passionate about it. It started off, honestly, Lisa, as this is a way to heal and help myself. Uh And then I want to share that, you know, with other people like, hey, this we may not look the same or live the same or talk the same or, you know, that type of thing. But if we can connect on sports or we can connect on on performance or, or something that I say in my story, then maybe, you know, some of what has helped me will help you and maybe not, you know, but I would like to be a part of your journey to to be empowered, to recognize what will help and what won't. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Totally. No. Thank you so much for sharing your story, being open with all of us and being super authentic and real. I mean, that's one of the many things I respect about you and that we don't know who's listening, who might need to hear this and like is inspired then to have the courage enough to share their story or to talk to somebody and ask them how they're doing and being able to sit there with them and I think it's really important, like injury, athlete identity are like really, really important topics for the athlete and having skill set, tools, strategies, a perspective, support, supportive community to help them navigate through these transitions is really, really important. And you know firsthand what it's like. So you bring that lived experience that can't replace anything that fuels that passion that we're all hearing right now through the microphone. So just thank you for all you do and for who you are and all the people that you're helping and touching. It's awesome to see and be a part of with you and to see you grow and follow you and and all your successes. So I know one thing you're super proud of and are building is the Reach In Now platform. Can you share a little bit about the sort of idea behind it, the vision for it and kind of what it is and how we can find it? 
Yeah, no, thank you uh, for creating a space for me to, to be able to share my story and then also my work with Reach and Now. You know, Reach and Now, it's really a philosophy before being a platform. And the philosophy is that, you know, wholeness is wellness. And that meaning we need to, to be compassionate and hyper aware of our whole selves, right? Like we, especially athletes, we are trained to kind of lock in on certain things, certain strengths. So if I know that I'm a, I'm a shooter and this is where I fit in the office and this is when I, I should get the ball and, and when I get the ball, shooters are going to shoot, you know? Like we lock in on those specific strengths and even on kind of like a, a macro level as an athlete, like I was saying, your entire identity is I play ball, you know? Right. Like, I, I'm an athlete, right? But wholeness is wellness. Really, it speaks to the philosophy of I'm not only an athlete, you know, I'm a young woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to be young. I, I Girl, you are. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> but, but I'm so many things, right? To yep. so many people. And I need to nurture first the relationship with myself and being accepting and compassionate for all the things that Mm. I am. And then also how I express that in the world, you know, in the community, with my family, with my team. Again, compassion and awareness and acknowledgement, you know, of all the experiences that led me to be who I am. So, so reaching now, it's a philosophy. And then the platform is how we leverage technology in order to be able to create those safe spaces so that we can do that collectively, right? As a community, as a community of athletes, as a community of, you know, whomever, right? However you identify. So the way that we leverage technology is we developed a mobile application and in its beta version, it is an anonymous text chat, you know, application to where you can go in, um, talk about anything, you know, share any type of story. And you can do so anonymously if you choose so that you don't have to worry about, you know, the shame or the stress of, of who's uh-huh. listening, that sort of thing. But um, the whole purpose of our V1 of the Reach and Now platform, which is available on app stores right now. Check it uh, out. The whole premise of that was, let's see if we can create community, a sense of community on here. Let's uh-huh. build a community. Uh-huh. When we launched that in December of 2021, you know, we, we were able to grow a community. I go around reaching now is also, we have the Well Excel programming. And so um, mm-hmm. I developed health courses and training for every stakeholder group within the sports ecosystem or within any ecosystem. So for sports, it looks like uh, training and curriculum for the athlete as another group for coaches and for like the faculty and staff that support the athlete. Nice. Uh, staff. And then also training and, and courses for the, what we call the entourage. So the family members, the friends, the fans, it's all the same messaging, but the language is different, right? The language mm. to, to each of those groups, because each of those groups has a unique experience. Right. Sports, and each of those groups are, are also uniquely experienced to influence our athletes, right? Because if an athlete goes into a, a culture or a system that doesn't support their wellness or their wholeness, wellness, then they're going to be less likely to reach out when there's some challenges that come up. So reaching now is also that, that curriculum, you know, those courses and the way that we leverage technology is we're able to integrate, we're able to digitize those courses, integrate them into the app so people can go onto the app and access that video content, that premier sports content and be inspired by other athletes, professional athletes, retired athletes champions in every space, 
you know, that was something that was really important to us. And kind of the third component or user experience for us on the Reach and Now app is resources. It's the actual community and, mm-hmm. and not just therapists and, and doctors, but as a low barrier to entry, you know, we want people to feel comfortable talking to members of their community, right? That through lived experience or professional experience are qualified to be able to to respond and to process with you, not just rush to, to diagnose you, right? And it's mm-hmm. not just about a bill or an insurance type thing, but a holistic network, right? So you've got your issue, you know, one day might be, I got to figure out how to pay my rent or my mortgage, you know? So finances are a part of what makes us healthy, right? If we're not financially sure. healthy, do you think mentally, like I'm going to be ready to, to be able to deal with anything else? Mm-hmm. No. So mm-hmm. so that's another aspect of, of reaching now is the resource network, which we call Reach Incredibles, to be able to support all the aspects, right? Wholeness is wellness. So be able to support the whole person and what they might go through from finances to fitness to education to housing, community or social engagements. We want to talk about all of that. Very, very cool. And I love the technology bridge of things you've already created and communities and and professionals you already have in your Rolodex, like to come all on one platform. I know that the anonymous texting is also anonymously monitored for like (laughs) keywords. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I think that's super fascinating and and puts your app, uh, sets it apart a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely nerd out a little bit and talk yeah, please, let's do it. about the, <laughs> the technology. But yeah, no, so everybody's heard of AI and all that, uh, you know, it has to offer. Yep. And a lot of the risks too, there's a lot of fear, you know, surrounding AI. And really the fear is who's moderating the moderator, right? Who's right. moderating the, the AI. And so with our platform, we're moderating the AI, right? And we, we've managed or programmed the AI to be able to pick up on key words and key phrases mm-hmm. and context and syntax to identify if and when somebody is at any level of risk, right, of, of mm-hmm. some type of crisis. And we want to be able to predict that. So before it gets to a point of crisis, we want to be able to say, hey, just by word choice or just by engagement, what videos you're watching, that sort of thing, just by that, we're noticing kind of like a a buildup of stress, right? Uh And so uh you're just outside of toxic stress. And so here's some resources in your community that may help with managing that. Or, you know, we want to be able to to leverage the AI to be able to get people the help and the support that they need well before they even recognize for themselves that they may need kind of that extra support. And it also takes the responsibility away from that person. And that's where the name comes from, Reach In Now, is because typically all of the responsibility is on a person to reach out, you know, when they think that they need, you know, some help. Mm-hmm. They have to be willing to do that too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Most of us are taught, no, just like I said, lace up the sneakers and push through, you know? Nobody's trying to reach out, right? That's not strong or that's not being resilient. So it's teaching people how help-seeking and being a better self-identifier is actually a benefit to their wellness and exactly, and it, and it helps people to be able to do it, right? We take the responsibility away to where we're not waiting for people to reach out, but rather they're reaching in, right? Mm-hmm. So our technology allows us to be able to do that, where we do have moderation that picks up on, on different things. That's cool. Uh, and so it's cool. not just for risk, but we also reward, you know? So if mm-hmm. people are out there and they're positive and inspirational and motivational and influencers in our community, then they get rewarded, right? And rewarded with you know, points, swag, you know, invitations to exclusive events and that sort of thing. And so 
We nice. want to make it to where it's it's like a real relationship, right? And natural consequences. You have some that are constructive and some that are destructive. And yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, we're trying to emulate a genuine connection and community experience. No, oh, I love it. I love it. So awesome. People got to download it, check it out, interact with it, see what you think. And I also, I don't want to get away without saying, you know, your involvement, Lisa, too, on, you're on our advisory board, you know, with Ath Mindset has been such an integral partner uh, to reach in now and just brainstorming content. You talked about how we have kind of like this roster of, of high profile performers and, and athletes and things like that. Ath Mindset and you, Lisa, are a part of that and the things, your successes and the things that you do, because I follow you too. <laughs> um, that, that you're out there doing uh, for the community. That's all things that that we love to highlight. And so when we talk about, you know, partnership and relationship, reaching now, Ath Mindset, Bianca, Lisa, you know, you are just as much a part of, of all this as, as anything. And so, you know, we appreciate being able to have and share platforms like this, you know, to be able to uplift all of us, all of us out here trying to help. Exactly, exactly. It's more fun doing it together. And like, I don't choose who I affiliate with lightly. Not like that, you know, like I'm all exclusive and stuff, but like... Gotta be selective. Selective, that's a better word. And like, of like minds have the same values. I mean, like you and I could be sisters from another mother type thing. And it's just, we can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so to, to bring our areas of strength and knowledge together with one another is really what makes it impactful and just super fun. I mean, you make me like more passionate, inspired and help me access it again within me. And so I think it's a win-win all the way around. And like, if we can share that energy with the people out there who who might be looking for it or seeking it or, or forget that it exists or don't believe in it anymore is really, really what this is all about. So, you know, we're we're doing this thing together and it's just, like you said, it helps me heal too. It helps me heal. It's, it helps me be better for the people in my life who count on me. Yes. It helps me with my relationship with myself, mm-hmm. uh, my self-perception, who I am, what value do I bring? And to just partner with other, like just amazing human beings makes the work so much more rewarding. And so like, I appreciate our partnership. I think that what I'd love to be able to end with is if there's anyone out there who is feeling thoughts of suicide, thinking that life is not worth living, has a teammate or friend who might have died by suicide or is going through a challenge. Like, Bianca, what would you want to tell them? What would you want them to remember? What would you want them to keep at top of heart? Something like that. So many things. You know, I've heard this question be asked uh, to a lot of people, right? And I've been asked this question, you know, several times. My answer changes each time because nothing ever seems like it's enough, right? It's, mm. it's not enough to say, you know, you're not alone or, you know, I understand and, and, and that sort of thing. Because, you know, when you get to a certain level of despair, you know, such as having thoughts of suicide or when you get to a level of despair, such as experiencing the tragedy of losing somebody to suicide, you know, sometimes it's hard to feel the warmth from the sun. You know, mm. it doesn't, the sun isn't there, sun hasn't, mm. hasn't risen, but it's hard to mm-hmm. feel that from some of those deep and dark spaces. And so for me, the response to what I would want somebody to take 
into their spaces, right? Because I honor, I acknowledge and I honor that everybody has that space, you know, that, that we all go to that's very private and we're somewhere, sometimes it's, it's hard to feel the warmth of the sun. So what I would want is to somebody to take this into that space and for every harsh thing, for every negative thing, for every way that, that we tear ourselves apart, and, and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to let you know if you're out there listening and you're, you're having these thoughts or experiencing this despair is I want you to know that, that I too have that space where I go and I beat myself up and I tell myself mm. some horrible things. Mm. And what has helped me survive and thrive after moments of despair, of utter despair and questioning my own purpose and for being here, it's helped me to counter each one of those negative things, one of those destructive things with something that is loving and compassionate. Mm. A to, to give yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling. You know, it's okay. If you're having these thoughts, it's okay. And you know what? You're actually normal. You know, it's mm-hmm. nothing's wrong with you. Don't let the world tell you something's wrong with you or you're a bad person or because mm. there's so much going on in the world today that you know, it's a normal reaction in response to feel some level of despair, right? Some level of disconnection. And so saying all that before saying, okay, so you're not alone because there are other people that, that are feeling this way. And I have been one of them. I have been in that dark space before. And again, it's, you know, for every thing that I say that's destructive, I have to counter that, you know, it's making the, the decision to, to counter that. It's fighting for your life. I literally. That. Yeah, for, with something that's, that's compassionate. It's, uh-huh. it's not selfish to have to focus on you, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For a lot of us, I will say this, Lisa, is that, you know, in my practice and meeting with people that, that have also been in the space, you know, society will say, you know, like suicide and things like that or, or people that are chronically depressed right? And, and unable to get out of that space. People will say, oh, you're being selfish. You know, like, oh, mm. you're like, I can't deal with this. You're just being selfish. Huh. Do you know that the people that I've talked to that have been in that space are the opposite of selfish because all of what they're talking to me about is how they're worried about everybody else. They're worried mm-hmm. about being a burden to everybody else. They're worried mm-hmm. about, you know, how this person is responding to, to their depression or to their, their issue, right? And so, that's a misunderstanding that I want to clear up is that this isn't an, an issue of selfishness. You know, there's no such thing as, is crying for attention and that being it, because to be honest, there needs to be some attention, you know, to the mm-hmm. fact that, that mm-hmm. somebody is experiencing that level of despair. And so mm-hmm. if you see something as, oh, that's just them, you know, crying for attention, crying for help, then what I want people to know is that I am no longer going to wait for them to reach out. You know, I'm going to spread the philosophies of reaching in, right? Mm-hmm. Because you need attention and I, I will give it to you. This platform will give you the attention that you need. You're crying for help. This platform will give you the help that you need. You need community because you're isolated, right? You feel alone. This platform will give you that. And so hang on, please, to those people. Please hang on. Please look me up. You know, uh, right now, if, if you're having those thoughts, look me up. I'm on all social media platforms. To be honest with you, it's hard for me to be on there as much as I, I probably need to be on there. But if you reach out, I get the notification. I will respond. It's at reach in now, you know, on all of them. So if you go at reach in now, you'll be able to find us anywhere. 
We have a website, www.reachinnow.com. Contact us on there. Let's reach in, you know, like let's reach in and let's start getting people connected because I can definitely understand the the experience of uh, feeling like, you know, you're just floating in space, you know, like nobody understands. And that existential isolation is dangerous and it's deadly, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, y'all thought social isolation was was tough, right, during the pandemic. Existential mm-hmm. isolation is feeling like nobody can understand uh-huh. journey and experiences. And that's what I've been putting on this earth to do is uh, is ask questions, to process, to have conversations, to show compassion so that I can get to a point, a mutual point of understanding of what somebody's going through. So I implore everybody to to jump on that transition from cancel culture to compassion culture. And let's go. <laughs> right. Let's say that. Let's well, go. wow. That was a lot, Bianca. And so well said. So many people need to hear it. I mean, it's not just a pat answer. It's thoughtful. It comes from your own experience as a professional, as a person. And again, sharing your vulnerability is very relatable to a lot of people. And that's, again, what makes what you're doing and reaching now so special. And so with that, I just want to thank you for just bringing your whole self to our time together and sharing all that you have. And like, I'm just really, really excited to get our conversation out into the world. So thank you again. Uh, Thank you for having me. Thank you for creating the space. And Lisa, I will talk to you anytime. So thank (laughs) you for reaching out and allowing me to reach in. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Athlete Mindset is part of the CadSource Podcast Network. At CadSource, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching CadSource on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network, the CadSource Podcast Network. 